Welcome to this BTOG podcast. My name's Helen McDill and I'm a respiratory trainee in the Southwest Peninsula Deanery and I'm a respiratory trainee representative on the British Thoracic Oncology Group. This is part of our regular podcast series entitled BTOG Does, where we have informal chats with experts in their field and tackle some of the most important questions we all face in the diagnosis and treatment of thoracic cancers. Before we start, it's important to say that the sponsors of BTOG do not have any role whatsoever in the planning, content or delivery of anything discussed today. So today's podcast is BTOG Does the NOLCP, the National Optimum Lung Cancer Pathway. And it's a great pleasure to introduce Professor, Professor Ethan Sanjay Agwil today. Welcome to BTOG Does. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Sanjay. Um, so just a little bit of a, an introduction. Uh, Sanjay is a consultant in respiratory medicine and intensive care at universities, hospitals, Leicester NHS Trust, and also national clinical advisor for the tobacco dependency uh, NHS England group. And, chair, and chairs the Royal College of Physicians Tobacco Advisory Group. He's helped develop the British Thoracic Society National Tobacco Audit in Secondary Care, the Quality Improvement Tobacco Tool, and delivered the RCP Breakthrough Collaborative focusing on treating tobacco dependency, and helped publish the 2018 Hiding in Plain Sight Treating Tobacco Dependency. So a real expert we, we've got on tobacco uh, dependency treatment uh, here, and I know we're working together on the BTS uh, Statement Guideline Group uh, for hospital clinicians. At the, um, at the moment and he's also a fellow member of the the BTOG steering group committee so welcome uh, Sanjay and thank you very much for, for joining today. Thanks very much Helen thank you. Um, so just to, to start off um, do you mind talking a little bit about kind of what the NOLCP is and why it was introduced for, for anyone who doesn't know about it or isn't too familiar with it? Yeah, so the NOLCP is literally the best thing since sliced bread. It is a revolution, hopefully. Um, it's essentially a pathway to improve um, care for people with lung cancer. Uh, but it gives you some clear um, algorithms to work on and to aim at to improve care locally. I think it's important just to put it into context to begin with. So sadly, we know that the outcome of people with lung cancer in terms of five-year survival is pretty poor in the UK. And we're probably laggards compared to other parts of Europe and the world. We also know that emergency admissions for people with lung cancer have a poor prognosis. We are really, really lucky that there's been an explosion of new diagnostic tests um, that we do, um, whether that's radiological tests or pathological tests. And we also know that time makes a difference. If we spend too long on the diagnostic side of the pathway, the performance status of people worsens and they're less likely to get treatment and therefore their outcomes are worse. And finally, we know from the, Lusada, from the National Lung Cancer Audit that there is unwarranted variation across the country. So, you know, a person, let's say in my patch, uh, might do worse than a person living in another postcode. And there's no reason why that should happen because we all have access to NHS care. So the having a clear clinical algorithm 
for every part of the lung cancer pathway from the moment of referral all the way through to treatment has got to be a good thing. And, and so the purpose of the NOLCP is to provide individual clinicians and individual hospitals and centre with that really, really crystal clear pathway and what we should all be aiming and aspiring to achieve. Thanks, Sanjay. I mean, I think you're exactly right. When I kind of started, I did a fellowship in kind of lung cancer and didn't really know much about the NOLCP, but as soon as I started that and understand understood the algorithms and what we should all be working for as lung cancer physicians, it just it just changes how you you view that kind of whole pathway for the patient, doesn't it? And what we should be trying to achieve for our, our patients. Um, so I guess one of the key aspects I kind of view um, of the NOLCP is about the, the waiting times and we're trying to speed up the pathway, like you said, to get that diagnosis quicker. Um, can you explain a little bit about the maximum waiting times and how they fit into the pathway? Yeah, so I'm sure everybody listening to this will have heard of the two week wait, and that's true for all cancers. Um, so, you know, from the point of referral to being seen by a hospital clinician is, is two weeks. The point of uh, from the point of referral to diagnosis is 28 days. And the point of um, referral to treatment being started is 62 days. So they are the current standards that uh, lung cancer pathway providers are held to account for. Uh, and there should be no more than um, 31 days from the time of diagnosis to treatment being started. Um, so that, that's what we're working toward. Now the NOLCP tries to bring that down uh, and the time to treatment to um, 49 days. Um, and for each part of the pathway from, uh, for example, the patient first going to their GP to being um, reviewed in the hospital to diagnostic procedures being done, MDT discussion and then treatment, each part of the pathway is slightly shrunk to fit into that 49 days. Um, but it's all very doable, actually. And what's really nice about the NOLCP is, you know, let's say that you're a, um, uh, an oncologist. There's a particular part of the pathway that you're going to scrutinize because that's, you know, your little bit, as it were. So, for example, being seen within three days of the MDT decision for you, for, the, for that particular person to be seen by an oncologist. So, you know, that's the bit that you can focus on. And then another seven days before that same patient after seeing you starts on oncological treatment. These are very clear targets within NL NOLCP um, that um, are delineated, that are really useful, especially if you're just starting out in lung cancer. And again, that whether that's a, whether you're a, you're a respiratory physician or a, or a, um, an oncologist or whether you're a radiologist or a pathologist you can understand what the if you like not the time pressures that's the wrong word but what what you should be aspiring to in your local treatment pathway yeah I, thanks Sanjay I think you're exactly right as a trainee interested in thoracic oncology I think it's a key kind of document for whatever your specialty wherever you are in that pathway to kind of guide your your practice and I guess coming towards the, the end of my training now and wanting to become a lung cancer physician thinking of how that feeds into service development um, is really key key as well um, so we kind of talked a little bit about the the times in the in the pathway um, 
if you were to summarize, I guess, any other key features or any key features that you think are really important in the pathway that you'd highlight as the, the most important things um, if someone hadn't read it before? Yeah, so I think the single biggest thing in my experience is the triage uh, process. So in the past, imagine this, all two-week weight referrals were just seen by us in clinic. And essentially, they just went to the back of the queue. And, you know, we try and see them in two weeks, of course. But actually, um, for each person with a suspected lung cancer, there's probably two people who don't have lung cancer. And actually, it's just as important for the people who don't have lung cancer to be told quickly that, listen, you don't need to worry. There's nothing to do. Excuse me. <coughs> so the triage process Require what we've done here in Leicester and what is recommended in NLCP is that there's a daily triage meeting and that involves the respiratory uh, consultant looking through all of the referrals um, and, and usually there are other processes even before the triage meeting where the patients had their x-ray and their CT scan so in our triage meeting each day we reviews we review everybody's CT scan we make a decision based on the history that we have and the imaging, whether somebody is likely to have a, a lung cancer and they need to continue down the pathway or that they don't have lung cancer or they have another respiratory problem that doesn't need us but needs somebody else. And we can communicate that decision with a patient in a day. It's fantastic. So all of those people who don't have lung cancer can just get on with their lives and, and not have the anxiety. Now, for the other people who have a suspected or a definite lung cancer, you can crack on with a test and you can have a bundle of tests that you organize at triage. We make sure that all of our patients who have a CT scan are seen by our lung cancer nurse specialist so that, that they're met at the CT scan. Uh, a history, a brief history is taken on a pro forma. We have that pro forma at triage. We look at the CT scan. We look at the pro forma. And then if the patient has a suspected cancer and needs tests, they then um, are communicated with via the nurse who's already met them. So it's not a surprise. And we, you know, we explain um, that they may have a lung cancer when we meet them at CT. And the patient can crack on with a test. So and then go to MDT. And so actually they get the, all of the testing that they need upfront. There's no delay. They understand what's going on. Um, and then when they come to us, we can deliver the results of the, um, uh, the test of course, answer questions and get them going with whatever treatment they need, with whatever treatment speciality. And, and the basis of this is a really good triage meeting. And we're really lucky in Leicester that we've got a fantastic triage meeting built on the rapid model in Manchester. Um, and I, I would say if, there's, if there are people listening to this who don't have a daily triage meeting, it's critical. If you do one thing after listening to this podcast, it's set up your local daily triage meeting. Great. Um, that leads kind of nicely on to kind of my, my next question, really, which I guess we've you, you've kind of covered. I was kind of thinking, well, what are the requirements in a lung cancer service that you need to be able to offer to facilitate the, the NOLCP? So clearly you've said daily triaging, kind of that rapid model um, that the Manchester group have set up. Um, apart from daily triaging, are there any other things that you think are key that centres should be able to, to offer? And I guess how feasible is this as well within, within respiratory departments uh, with all the other pressures we face as well? 
Yeah, so I would say that the other key elements of the triage meeting is almost the end product of a few other things that have to happen before that. So, for example, in we've got the uh, director CT pathway. So let's say a, a patient goes to a GP, has a, you know, symptoms of lung cancer, GP arranges a, a chest X-ray, the X-ray is abnormal. Instead of that report going to the GP and then them having to request a CT scan or referral to us, which then takes time, actually, if the X-ray is abnormal to begin with, the radiology department in our hospital automatically arranges CT uh, ideally within 24 hours, often within 48 hours, and then it's same day reporting, and there's a tagged pathway. And that's what we review when we're in our triage meeting. So I would say that's a really critical element. Um, and it can sometimes be tricky to um, convince um, departments that are strapped for people and slots like radiology to do that. But I think the argument is that you're going to be doing it anyway, actually. You know, they're going to be doing the CT scan anyway. It's just about bringing it into a defined pathway so it happens quickly and patients are appropriately prioritised because time makes a difference with these pathways um, to survival. And I think it, it's very, it, 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 now that more and more centres have got these pathways in place, if you're in a centre that doesn't have it, you're going to be an outlier. And actually, that's quite useful because it can then influence people in your departments because nobody wants to be a, a, a negative outlier, as it were. Um, so it can influence those departments that are, are struggling to get engagement, for example, with radiology to develop such a pathway. So I think that I think I answered one of your questions there. So director CT is a really important pathway. Triage is a really important pathway. Having ring fence CT slots in the morning. Um, is also really critical because then your lung cancer nurses know that, let's say in our hospital, between eight and nine, we have lung cancer patients coming for their, or query lung cancer, coming for their CTs and they go and meet them, meet and greet. Um, um, so, so ring fence slots and then also having test bundles. So, you know, your PFTs, your echoes, uh, those sort of things in a package of tests for those people with um, probable lung cancer uh, with a, a, an appropriate performance status having those test bundles is really helpful um and and so they're they're all really important features of the NOLCP um and finally it's the personnel so we have um fantastic um what we call next step coordinators and what they do is they receive the referral via the two-week wait they're the ones that put the patients on our triage meeting each day that then arrange the test after the triage meeting, get in touch with patients and bring them into clinic and then arrange tests once the patient has been in clinic and seen us. Um, they, they navigate that pathway with the patient. They are worth their weight in gold. So um, having dedicated lung cancer navigators, trackers, whatever you want to call them, who are different to MDT coordinators, by the way, um, is uh, the most important thing about the pathway. I completely agree with you. I think I've worked in hospitals with um, everywhere I've worked, they've called them kind of lung cancer navigators. Um, and I've worked in a unit without a lung cancer navigator. And the difference how the pathway is coordinated is, ju is just amazing that they're, they're so key and critical into just organizing everything and organizing us within that pathway as, as well. So completely agree. I think that's such a, a key component. Um, 
I mean, I think you've really nicely described kind of the challenges along the, the way in terms of same day reporting, trying to get into kind of daily triaging and then that appointment. Um, obviously there's different kind of trusts have different issues with that. Have you got any tips of how to kind of approach that if, if there's difficulties is it just through kind of communication like you said looking at outcome results if you're not meeting the cut the targets kind of presenting them in, in that way um, and like you said the reporting needs doing at some point so it just needs to be sp sped up I guess have you got any kind of tips or suggestions that uh, would be helpful for people in this process where it's difficult to meet those targets at the moment yeah, I think that's always, um, whenever you're implementing something new, it doesn't matter whether it's lung cancer or some other service, um, this is quite a, a difficult task at times. And I would say it's um, bringing people together around a common purpose and, and describing it in that way, as opposed to, oh my God, the radiology waiting times are awful or the path times are awful, you know, rather than sort of blaming as it were, um, use a common purpose and a common purpose is to get patients seen and through the lung cancer pathway as quickly as possible because we know that doing it that way is better for the patient there's fewer emergency admissions the performance status is maintained and survival is better so focusing on that common pathway and then showing people what the art of the possible is so what are they doing in manchester what are they doing in nottingham the pushback often there is, oh, well, but they're special. They have, you know, thousands of staff who are sitting around doing nothing. And you've got to kind of make out, make the case that actually, no, that's not the case. They're equally a strat, but they've just organized themselves in a different way. And we can do the same. And then the third thing is obviously having key, key champions. So within, let's say, radiology is a one particular radiologist who really is into their sort of lung cancer pathway and can then influence the other radiologists. Um, so that's also quite helpful. Um, coming together as a, as a sort of a steering group, as a lung cancer pathway as a whole, it can be really helpful. And again, not with blaming, but more taking a QI approach and saying, well, how can we improve this part of our pathway? What can we do about that? And, it, and, and everybody having a role, it not just being one particular department, as it were. Um, so these are all sort of influencing skills, I would say, that you know, lots of people listening are going to need to utilise to implement parts of the NOLTP if you haven't already. Um, thanks, Andrew. Re really helpful uh, to kind of discuss that. Um, you've already briefly mentioned um, kind of the, the 2020 version of the NOLCP uh, included diagnostic standards of care as kind of bundles you talked about uh, when you as a clinician or the lung cancer nurses are seeing the patient and perhaps they have nodal disease or distant metastatic disease and um, what exactly are the, these bundles and and I guess how do we do you have any suggestions to how we can provide these standard for for our patients um yes yeah, so <clears throat> the classes so for example in my lung cancer clinic I had several patients who um were, were had just started the pathway and in clinic you know we arranged the PET scan the biopsy the PFTs the echo the blood test there's a package and I know I'm confident those patients are going to get all of those tests within the next 10 working days um, because we have ring fence slots for PET for PFTs for echo 
now those have to be negotiated ahead of time so you know when we started off this pathway we had to go and speak to the uh, people who do echoes and say look you know these are time critical um uh, tests we need some ring friend slots um, and they and, and people have to learn not to abuse those slots actually from other respiratory specialities or other specialities um, so it, it can be done and as i say all these patients are going to have the same tests anyway it's just about bringing them together and our navigators organize that and they develop the relationships with those departments too um, so the the purpose of the test bundles is to get as much information in a short period of time using di the not diagnostic tests that you need um, but there is some organization in setting up these pathways but once you've done it it's easy that's great and i think certainly as a trainee kind of looking and learning about those bundles and then having the, the help of a department to refer them on um, really makes you understand what you should be doing for, for each uh, patient. So I think that's a really great part of the, the pathway. Um, time always flies really fast on these podcasts. So I've got two quick questions left to, to ask you, which I think are, are really important. And I'm sorry we're running out of time. Um, one of the kind of a new updates was about the clarification of the lung cancer specialist nurse. Um, how important do you think their role is in the NOLCP? Oh my God, it's super important. It's a bit like the, the, the navigators, you know, that a patient might never see, might only see me once, but in terms of having continuity in a thread and somebody to talk with, the lung cancer nurse who meets them for their very first CT scan and then actually sees them or stays in touch with them at different points of their diagnostic and treatment pathway. And hopefully, you know, we're turning lung cancer into a chronic disease with some of the uh, drugs that we have now. And, and they carry on seeing the patients or hearing from the patients for years in some cases. It's so critical, um, actually, um, for that continuity of care. And, you know, we know that patients will often say things to a nurse that they won't say to a doctor just for whatever reason. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely critical. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Such an important part of the, the pathway. And I think they're all just fab fabulous, all the lung cancer specialist nurses I've worked with. Um, and then finally, to, to finish, I couldn't really kind of um, end this talk, uh, especially talking to you with, about without talking about tobacco addiction. Um, the NOLCP doesn't talk about treating tobacco addiction. Um, should it? And um, where do you think it should fit into the, the pathway? Yeah, so you know what the answer there is. Um, so yeah, of course. So right at the right up front, and you know, I, I recognise that a lot of doctors will feel um, a little bit, I don't know, underconfident uh, about talking about it. But the way I couch it to patients is for the ones with lung cancer is that look, stopping smoking is actually going to help your treatment. You're going to get fewer complications if you have surgery from postoperative uh, uh, infections, wound infections. Um, uh, chemotherapy, other things, you're less likely to get, you know, hepatotoxicity, etc. So it's actually going to help with your treatment. It's part of your treatment. Uh, and usually people get that. But also, you know, it's less likely to reduce, um, it will reduce things like heart disease, etc. So if you survive your cancer, actually treating those other things are really important too and stopping smoking will help. And then actually what's even more important is the people who don't have lung cancer, uh, because they, they may have another 40, 50 years, actually, depending on what age they've come to triage. And actually stopping is really important. So we have an opt-out referral pathway for everybody who's a smoker. So we identify the smoker based on the clinical history. And actually they all get um, referred to our stop smoking specialist. Uh, and uh, at least 60% of them 
um, engage and start a quit attempt as a byproduct of being referred to the hospital. That, that's great. And I think it's something that we all as um, respiratory physicians, lung cancer physicians need to be building into all of, all of our appointments and consultations um, within this, this pathway and not only within this pathway as well. Um, thank you so much, uh, Sanjay. We've run out of time, so I'm going to stop there. We could have probably talked for, for so much longer uh, about kind of the diagnostic pathway. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Hope that gave you a bit of an insight into the NOLCP. Um, for more information on BTOG, including educational events for uh, for trainees, any allied healthcare professionals uh, or anyone, and most importantly, how to join, uh, you can visit at www.btog.org. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. So um, I will finish now. Thank you very much, David.